I'm Kenneth Martin, and this is The Expert Hour, a show where I interview a guest who acts like they're an expert on some topic, but really knows nothing about it at all. Hello and welcome to The Expert Hour. I'm your host, Kenneth Martin, and I have a very special guest with me today. This is Austin Martin. Austin, welcome to the program. Hi, it's great to be on, Kenny. And Austin, why don't you tell the listeners what exactly you are the expert on? Well, I have spent about the last three years of my life dedicated to the art and history of the Japanese culinary delight sushi, the nectar of Neptune, if you will. Oh, I've never heard it called that before. No, I've, I've coined that. Oh, that's yours. Okay. Well, that's good. I like it. I'll Wait, it, it's going to be... When does this program come out? I can claim that, right? You're not going to... Yeah, I, gonna I definitely that, won't say I made it up and post that and then later release this episode after that. Okay, because so, you remember the whole Peaches of Poseidon debacle. The thing that I, I just, had you know, made up. I, I don't want to The go thing against, I had made uh, up and then you said you did later. Uh, yeah, but, I don't yeah. want to go to the next, you know, Thanksgiving dinner and then hear about your fantastic new book, book the, the Peaches of Poseidon, and then I have mine, and it's just kind of like, you know, written on some napkins, and it's, but and I, it's called I've the, been working on it forever. Yeah, and it was called The Peach of Poseidon, which was different. So. It's The Peaches. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> anyway, no, not important. Well, let's just get back to our topic. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so sushi. <laughs> I don't know much about it, but you, on the other hand, obviously are an expert. Uh, you said three years now that you've been definitely three, definitely three, maybe like a soft like two two years and eleven months. Okay, but yeah, so close to three that to make the distinction would just be a waste of everyone's time. Yeah, and I'm glad that we did though. So let me. Well, I. Me too. Yeah, it is an important distinction. Let, let me ask then: What spurned this love of sushi on? You know, I actually kind of was at a Costco the first time I discovered sushi, and I was in a section of office supplies where someone had clearly, you know, decided against purchasing it, and instead of handing it over to a store associate to be returned to the correct place, they just sort of left it wherever, you know, the nearest convenience service. I mistook them for a series of office paperweights, uh... Initially, as you can imagine, my my reaction to sushi was very negative because after several weeks, they began to smell disgusting and leak on my papers. Right. <laughs> but when when someone finally came by the office and you know, informed me about what they actually were, I was so intrigued by the dish that I sort of became a student of it. I haven't actually tried any since becoming a student, to oh. be honest. I really kind of spent my sushi money on that initial purchase. And uh, originally I was planning to do a culinary trip to Japan, but plane costs are just just absurd. Yeah, and you don't want to try our version when you know there's something better out there. Oh, of course not. But as we'll discuss later in the program, you know, there's a very colorful history to Americanized sushi as well. Oh, yeah. well, so I'm excited. Well, that, that was going to be my question was if you ate that initial batch. But so you still you did not try that. You know, I was curious about it, but I just fed it to some cats. That's probably the best audience for it. Okay, so... Probably, at that point, because they're very... They're, they're not very discerning. 
No, no. That's one of the many reasons that there were... I mean, I, I usually just use cats to get rid of discarded things, you know. Right, yeah, they're like some of paper. nature's biggest disaster. Nature's, cats. like, garbage disposal. Yeah. It's kind yeah, you can just get rid of you can just get rid of stuff with cats. I mean, you know, I have some bacon grease. So I'm like, well, I don't want to deal with this. I put the pan out, and then you know, there's like about 17 cats or birds. Yeah, they're kind of like blade in that they're like garbage themselves, but then they will eat other garbage. Mm. Mm. So I think that's was kind Blade of, and X Man. Um, uh, I'll be honest, I forgot which one Blade is. Yeah, Blade. I think he's. Um, Oh wait! Does Blade fight the vampires? Yeah, Blade fights the vampires, and he he be, he became one to fight them, or oh, or he becomes one. All right, well then he's a hypocrite, so I can't really stand for this. Well, yeah, but anyway, that's kind of like the cat thing with garbage. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, for for the new listeners, the first thing I want to get into is basically what is sushi? You know, what right? Are, what are we making here, uh, or consuming here? Whatever. It is often very horrifying to see for the first time. So I just thought I'd describe sushi is. Uh, a dish with Japanese origins that consists of, you know, mainly raw aquatic animals uh, wrapped in some kind of rice or or other other things. But the the meat of it, no pun intended, is the raw aquatic animals. And you'll notice that I'm specifying aquatic animals because I I ascribe to the broader definition of sushi. Which not only involves fish, but also incorporates some uh, more rare aquatic animals that you wouldn't normally think of, such as whale, mermaid, and duck. Oh, wow. That, I mean, that sounds delicious. What? I, I agree. It does sound delicious, and one day I, I do hope to afford a nice uh, sushi dinner. But So, so that all my, all my research into appreciating it can finally come to light. Has this made you a controversial figure in the field by being so kind of open and accepting to all these interpretations of sushi, not kind of the... Well, you know, interpretations of sushi, uh, the dish itself is more controversial than actually what qualifies as it. I mean, I don't want to get too political on you, but the people who have studied sandwich at my same university get very (laughs) heated over the the subject of hot dogs, burgers, and even Pop-Tarts. Yeah. And uh, they're going for a BFA in sandwich, too. Yes. One of the, the I, I have, I'll, I'll spare it's no tough. quarters it's tough. to those I'll, people. I'll give them I, credit. It sounds really tough. I mean, I've been taking it easy getting the sushi, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Sushi's kind of known, I think. I, again, I didn't know much about sushi, but I knew it as kind of an easier major you could take in college if you wanted to kind well, of Well, it's, it's a very simple thing, but it, it has a lot of nuance to it. And that's really it's it's a it's a easy to learn, difficult to master. Ah, okay. But you have mastered. So if it. you if you, uh, well, I I'd like to be humble and say that I'm on my way. Okay. Uh, so if you'd like, I wanted to discuss the very very early history of sushi and sort of some of the science behind it. I mean, it's just it's raw food that wasn't cooked. This goes against every caveman origin we have. How can this, how right. can this be possible? But. Were there cavemen Japanese? You know what? There must have been. They got to They got to have one. Somehow they got out of there. Maybe it was some kind of water cave, like a grotto, because they are on an island. Oh yeah. Uh, that uh, probably the correct term would be grotto men. Uh, so the science of sushi is really kind of fun- founded on one principle: that bacteria can't survive in water. 
So even raw aquatic animals can be consumed. Ah, I didn't know that. It's a it's a it's a surprising principle, uh, and it's one that you know early uh, early settlers in America sort of struggled with. There was actually, uh, if I just get the name for you here, there was uh, McDougal's Raw Burgers was one of the first people to sail from Japan to the Americas at the time and introduced the concept of a raw food, but they wanted a more sort of Americanized version. So instead of doing a uh, traditional lobster sashimi or something just very fresh seafood cut at the table, they incorporated a whole cow that would be ground into beef at the table and then served raw on a sesame seed bun. Oh, wow. That's kind of, that's kind of that's an interesting way to Americanize that dish. I was wondering what our reactions would be to this strange food. Well, their reaction at that time was, of course, massive illness, but many assumed it was due to witches. But uh, And there is no way to rule that you know, out. This, the, uh, McDougal, the young Japanese man who sailed over to introduce this burger to us, uh, kind of he was more of a scientific mind, so he actually wanted to figure out what was behind the witch's curse. So he first tried submerging the cows themselves in water. Oh, okay. Where uh, the bacteria being ground, live. where it can't live at all. But uh, then he realized very quickly that obviously the cows have lived so long above the water that they're just they're just a breeding ground. Because although bacteria can't live in water, it can live in cows. So it was a fruitless struggle, and sushi was mostly forgotten by the Americas until uh, the 1990s, really, which was when uh, sort of a series of bizarre, not a series of bizarre circumstances, but one bizarre circumstance that would happen over and over sort of uh, took hold in America. And it's really a fascinating story in how sushi made its way to the Americas today. Well, I'm, I've, I've got nothing but time, so I'd, I'd love to hear kind of about the resurgence. Oh, well, I, I, yeah, I, that's been mostly my topic of study. I mean, there are so many things about sushi in Japan that you can learn about, so many varied histories, customs. Frankly, uh, they've translated the history of sushi, but I'm really waiting for the American dub so I can sort of you know, listen you to You don't want to watch subtitles, yeah. Uh, exactly, exactly. Thank you. So, so it's, um, it's 1990-something. Nirvana's on the radio or dead, depending on the year, and the, you've got... It's very razor's edge. And, and yeah, everyone's kind of on edge, in, but it's, like, cool. All the fashion's terrible, and, like, the walls look terrible in every home. Films look terrible. Y- yep. Uh, uh, ev- pretty much all art has gone to shit. But it's just awful. But um, sushi. I thought this was a family program. I'm sorry. No, no, you can cuss on it. It's fine. No, I was mistaken. Okay, well, that's good to know. Yeah, I've been uh, reserving myself a lot. Well, feel no need, especially sort as we the, as we the attempt to keep up the professional air, because as you can imagine, someone who goes to a sandwich and sushi culinary arts college, you know, you kind of need to cultivate as much air and mystery as possible. I understand that. Yeah, I, I completely not, get it's how it's not exactly. Uh, opened up a lot of doors for me, should we say. Oh, why, why not? You're, you're being polite, it sounds like. Well, it actually, you know, to be honest, it actually has opened me up to some pretty good experiences. I actually once gave a TED Talk on surviving in modern America with a useless degree. Oh. 
So that was a big moment for but me. But how would you? Uh, but if you, but you have a good degree. Return, so how? Uh, oh, know, maybe you were you just, just kind of roll with it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so bringing sushi to America, sushi is actually kind of something that got brought back to America. Yes. Teaser right there. Yeah. Uh, what actually sort of, I learned this from my professor. He gave his personal story, and as you research sushi more and more, you'll learn that this was a story that happened very, very often starting in the 60s. Oh, wait, so not the uh, 90s. So, uh, well, the 90s was sort of when it kind of kind of made its way back, but it all began in the 60s. Uh, and the 90s kind of uh, are like the new 60s. Like, you know, you had Woodstock, and then you had Woodstock 99 with, like, Limp Bizkit and corn. Yeah, and, and then if you flip, like, 1690 and 1960 upside down, they make the same number. Which is so, a... So, uh, yeah. yeah, it was a pretty interesting time. Um, what happened to him was he was actually on an airplane that was downed on its way to Japan over the ocean, uh, with only him and two other people surviving on the life raft, alongside a Weber E310 built-in propane grill patio island. <laughs> now, not being so much of a uh, an expert of the sushi arts at the time, because they hadn't even made their way back to America after the fail of McDougal's Burgers, uh, they believed that there was no way they could survive on the water without a heat source, so... He threw his two crewmates overboard without any protests from them, for he was the youngest, and then prepared grilled fish dishes on the raft until the current sailed you naturally, as all currents do, to Japan. It's kind of like a magnet. It it does, I mean, it is sort of like the bottom of the ocean is Japan, so all the water just kind of pours in there. Oh, Okay. As you'll remember from when, when we were young, I did that as my science fair. It's like, I had a little Tupperware. It was like, here's the ocean. And then I, like, poked a hole in it. And I was like, there's Japan. And all the boats sort of floated to it. Which, you know, it's it's such an easy and simple experiment now. But back in the day, very crazy. It was hard for kids to, to do it. And it was hard to beat the allegations <laughs> yeah. that it was racist against Japanese. We were saying, how? Oh, yes. How? It's not. We're saying they're good. I mean, they bring everyone Exactly. Drift on the ocean together. Yeah, exactly. And that's something the piranhas can never say. No. So upon landing in Japan and sort of after, you know, they, they clothed him, they fed him, because obviously his clothes were just terrible by Japanese standards and they had to change them out. Uh, he sort of was first fed with a, a bite of something delicious to him. And he was like, what is this? What have you fed me? And then, of course, they spoke to him in Japanese, so it really didn't make any sense. But after a few months, he figured out what it was, and it was raw fish. And he was so horrified, not because of the, the, the mistaken belief that there was bacteria in raw food, but obviously because he had caused two of his dearest friends, who he'd met on the plane, to jump overboard to their deaths, all because they believed you needed to grill food for it to be safe to consume. Oh, my... What? But it's they, like a Greek they comforted him by guiding him to so many people who had landed there since the 60s when commercial flights to Japan were fairly feasible. You know, not to me so much, but right, to right. other people. And uh, there were just so many people seeking help from this experience because they'd all done it. They had all capsized. They'd all had a grill. Uh, it was especially bad in his case. They had gone for a very, very heavy and expensive grill in the 90s because 
Airplane Food had taken a really large hit from the stand-up comedy terrorism of Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, it's still monstrous today to think of what he did to them. I, I mean, he essentially built his career on the destruction of so many airline chefs. Uh, yeah, and now when you think of airplanes in New York, you're always thinking about tragedy and Jerry Seinfeld and what he did well, to them. Well, that, that's another thing I wanted to bring up, which is... Uh, really kind of uh, why, why this sort of was happening so much. Because it happened all the time. 60s through the 90s. And it's because it was a simpler time. I mean, it was before 9-11. So obviously, when, when a plane left to go to Japan, no one really asked questions of, did it arrive or not? It was just assumed it would. Right. They didn't care, I mean, really. You had no reason to believe the plane wouldn't. Right. Uh, it was actually only about a week after September 11th in 2001 that people really realized something was up with Amelia Earhart and she probably wasn't coming back. Right, yeah. I mean, people used to just kind of assume, like, well, I don't want to be a bother. Just let, let them go. Let them do what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, it, it was assumed that there were probably many stops on the way to Japan to fuel up. So every plane that didn't fuel up before launching, uh, you know, was downed. And then about, uh, I actually had the numbers here. I believe it was 67% uh, ended in one of these scenarios where multiple people would be stranded on a raft with a grill. People would commit suicide by jumping off the raft so that they could grill food, and then they'd arrive in Japan and discover that they didn't need to. Wow. It's, it's, it's wild how this place could become such a beacon of a, a new way of thinking. Yeah, and really, I'm inspired by how it became a beacon of thinking, but... What horrifies me is how difficult it's been to get the culture of sushi integrated into Japan. I mean, obviously, there's people like me who decide to study it in university and learn about sushi. But there's a lot of people in America who wanted to learn about it, and they didn't want to learn about it from, from the kind of academic perspective. They wanted the perspective of the first Americans since the 60s right. to discover it. So, obviously, after 9-11, the... People of most concern were sushi enthusiasts. Okay. What, why was that? If there was one person who decided to order sushi before hopping on a plane, you knew that there was, you know, kind of a chance that he'd want down it just so that he can land on the oh raft, my capsize someone so he could have the grill, and then arrive on Japan and come to the discoveries that so many great people before them had come. All unnaturally. <laughs> Dear God. I know it's a disturbing idea. You don't... It's crazy to think of how... What what was put in place then? You... What was done about this? Well, it was sort of, you know, it was during the Bush administration, so they were really kind of hardline on it, and the first thing that was done was installing a sushi bar into every airport. Okay. And obviously it was just, you know, one big honeypot. Right. Yeah, you, you don't want to go as much. It's right there. It's so convenient. So. And uh, obviously, obviously, America now has accepted a lot more of sushi, and you can see a sushi bar every day in an airport, and you don't have to have any concern about it. You can go ahead and try sushi. Well, not Although you. Personally, but... I, I, I can't afford it, and to be quite <laughs> honest, I really don't know a lot of people who have... I, I know a few people who have said they're going to go to one and never really written back to me. Right. But 
I, I'm sure, you know, those probably just from my own social problems and nothing to do with them. Oh, okay. Well, so... Yeah, but... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Um, I, I was kind of hoping you were going to go ahead. Well, uh, anyway... Oh, sure. Well, uh, it's just... Maybe if we want to just break it up, it was kind of something lighthearted and like a funny anecdote. It was actually when a lot of people got brought back in 98, which was sort of like the big sushi revolution when everything came back, uh, and all these people were trying to share it with them. A lot of people got very, very money-grubbing and wanted to jump on the opportunity, set up their own sushi bars. And uh, the first official sushi bar in America since the 60s... Okay was called the Shipwreck Sushi Bar. And uh, they had some kind of fun weather effects plan because Japanese are very known for their sailing, so they wanted to kind of incorporate that culture. And when someone ordered the ultimate nigiri platter, uh, little lightning effects would happen and some ships on the wall would rock and sink a little bit. And naturally, <laughs> everyone in the sushi bar screamed the entire time. That, that is delightful. It's just the, just a nightmare for them, but it's really funny to think about. It, it is know. just everyone. Ah, I'm gonna we're gonna die. Just the, just the faux pas too. I mean, what a silly thing to do. <laughs> it is, and it was weird because all these shipwrecked people screaming. Yeah, and I, like I actually think I've seen uh, some video of that, and you they it was weird how they put. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's great. They, yeah, it's they great. put like miniature guys on the ships, and they would sink and and. Some of them look like like little children or like dogs, and you'd see them fall off and sink. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> one of the well, you could see one where one of the old guys, he's like ninety, and he runs up to the sinking ship and he starts pulling the woody guy, wooden guys off, and he's like, "This time I'll save you. This time I'll save you, Paul." <laughs> yeah, and it, and it would happen like three times. It would happen oh, like three times so while they're at the restaurant, and you knew he was never going to save them. So, it yeah, I mean, he would stay there for the whole meal and just kind of reset between each one, and that's the power of sushi. It's really delicious. You're you're staying for all the courses. Yeah, it's a shame that place got shut down by the FBI later for unrelated drug charges. But it would, I mean, honestly, drug charges are just such a. It's such a relief on my mind when I see that a sushi place got shut down by the FBI and it wasn't for planes sinking over the Pacific purposes. Right, that they weren't conspiring to do that. It brings me a sigh of relief because I know that we're stepping away from stereotypes. And I wanted to kind of give you another, like, sort of an inspection of uh, American stereotypes to sushi when it was first kind of really getting integrated in the 90s. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously not super deep into, the, like, the whole Japanese origins and stuff. But there are pretty fun stories, too, if you ever want to research them. Obviously, there was the time where the Spanish came to Japan to conquer it and almost had won. And at their celebration feast, a few clever Japanese people replaced their guacamole with wasabi. And oh, no. they refused to give them the cure unless they left Japan. That is, that is brave. It's it is, and you can see it in Steven Spielberg's film, The Caliente Coup. I'll, I'll, I will. I'm looking forward to that film. The Caliente It's very Kuma. historically inaccurate, but well acted. Well, yeah. Really enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of weird that they they cast T.J. Miller and Woody Allen both in it. And, and It was. And Aziz Ansari. It's, I was really weird that 
Aziz Ansari was sort of, like, on the, the Japanese side, but he was kind of, like, a villainous shaman. Yeah. Is that the word? Shaman? Shojin? Sh- he was a villainous karate kid mentor. And, uh, you know, kind of worked on the opposite sides, much like the road to El Dorado. Yeah. But, you know, it's, does it, he it, sing it, in it? It kind of... It, it, no. 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 Well, a man can Spielberg dream. hasn't done a musical since Shinjo's List. Right. Um, but the massive failure it just didn't go over well, did it? No. Uh, but yeah, in popular culture, it's been kind of getting more and more. Oh wait, I forgot about that Steven Spielberg musical, the classic. What just came out a few years ago? The big fucking giant. Oh yeah. Oh, Not, that was a good one. And I that never one, saw it, as but... as you'll note in that film, there's just sort of casual eating of sushi. By many of the characters, and I find that so exciting. It's it's so refreshing to see. Yeah, I I actually pulled up here an article from the AV Club, and it, it said, mm. uh, if I can just read a small quote from it, and it said, uh, uh, "Traditional Americans be on notice. Now it's a world of sushi eaters, and and this brave film that deigned to show." Several people of different ethnicities eating sushi is just the kind of thing we will need in these post-Trump times. And I think, of course, I've read this article as yeah, well. And I think, I think they hit the nail on the head as they always do with just kind of gauging what's yeah, going and, on. Well, as we know, everyone who's in sushi knows about sort of intolerance to difference, and anyone who's ever seen. Uh, X-Men 3 knows that there is a world full of people who are intolerant to difference. And I'm sure, as he read in that article, uh, about kind of the pioneers in America who, despite controversy, because now now you get praise, now you put someone eating sushi in a film, and all you get is praise and maybe, like, a few, you know, kind of weird fringe people going, like, this is unacceptable, this is unnatural. But, back in the day, amazing, amazing risks, I think, taken by some people, uh, most notably and most controversially was the video game Animal Crossing. Uh-huh. Now, I don't know if the listeners know about this game, so I'll fill people in. Uh, Animal Crossing is sort of a life simulation game like The Sims, but instead of uh, instead of living in a village full of people and getting a real job and you know contributing to society and not getting arrested or burning your house down or burning your child down. Uh, Animal Crossing was more about living in a kind of friendly village of anthropomorphic animals. It was only rated E, so you could not fuck them. But uh, it did make the daring statement that got it a teen rating when it was first released. Because though the villagers were, you know, cats and dogs and bears, sheep, all of these animals, obviously, by the logic of the game, you could not be eating them unless you were some kind of... Animal Crossing Hannibal Lecter. A Hannibal Crossing. But uh, you could go fishing in the game and catch trout, cod, all kinds of things. This was one of the most basic elements of the game was going fishing. And fish were not treated as sentient beings like the other animals. You could just gobble them up right on the beach and you didn't need to even purchase the grill from Tom Nook's store. And that was really, really daring at the time because it was essentially putting these animals in two classes and showing the American people about raw fish. Raw fish is consumable. Yeah. Raw fish is real. And, and it's weak and lesser than. 
it's, and it's not it's not like a cat where you can just eat it and there's no consequences. Right. Um, yeah, and video games have kind of been the vanguard for this, though I I know you kind of gotten some hot water recently for posting that uh, kind of long rant on the Mario Party 4 game facts for saying that that game was offensive because the Order Up minigame didn't have any sushi in it, which pe- people got kind of mad at you for, they're like, this is an old game, why, why are you still mad about it? You know, I was worried, I was worried that people were going to bring this up, but you have to dig these kinds of things up, and you can't, you can't let the injustices of the past just sit. And I, I'm and you sure haven't. you know, like, anim- I certainly haven't. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, as, as you know, well, the Animal Crossing series and Mario both originate from Japan. Of course, the Mario Party games are run by pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. in America, and they would love nothing more why there's Dr. Mario. than for people to think... Uh, exactly. Exactly. It's right before people's eyes, and they don't even see it. They would like nothing more than for people to think that raw sushi requires pills to survive. It, it's a shame. It, it is a... It's disgusting is what it says. Yeah. It's just Gross. I don't like to see people doing stuff like that. And then, you know, of course, that's why they don't put it in Mario Party. And they they even put a disclaimer on it when the game came out. They said, oh, like, parents complained at first. Oh, there's a rotating menu of things and my child can't choose what they eat. My child would choose not to eat sushi. And they said, don't you worry. There's no sushi in here unless there was a minigame for taking pills after. Disgusting. It, it's Disgusting. it's shameful. Well, we don't need to get into the rant that got you. No, no, no. From... I, I'm sure everyone has you know found it. it it's it's been online for a while. Everyone kind of made it. parodies People of it screenshot for a while. It. People made parodies of it. That guy who maced someone for at a GameStop because Sonic had blue arms. Oh instead yeah. Of, instead of pale arms, he made like a, a big rip on me, like I was taking things too seriously. And you know what? It's more important. When do people ever fight? When do real people that, ever that's fight? That's how you know you're in the right. Ones? Because everyone on every... That's when you know you're right. Ev- Thank you. Everyone on every side hated you. And was mad at yeah. you and making fun of you. Yeah, every and every side that's paid. Exactly. Exactly. The people were supporting me. But, you know, in popular culture, it's there's been a lot of controversy around other things, too. Uh... Another big one that kind of was seen as normalizing sushi eating was Finding Nemo. And people saw this as more insidious because the sharks are obviously villains in the picture. Unfortunately. And they want to eat raw fish. But they're not portrayed as scheming, monstrous, evil villains. They're, they're very sympathetic. They're very funny. And people found it very endearing. And they just thought, you know, this is maybe... Maybe a habit of mine. Maybe something I don't like so much because society has pressures on me, but it's still something I can do and be a person. And, you know, people didn't really stand for that because they found it disgusting that the implication that these, these you know, these, these kelp eaters, as they would call us, mm-hmm. you know, weren't just monsters. Right. And that got, that got a lot of trouble. And then, uh, you know, even when it was starting to get more accepted... Uh, there was actually, you know, it just kind of, people just like sushi. They just like sushi. It's natural to eat sushi. Everyone eats sushi. Well, Everyone, not you. Everyone being, you know, bears eat sushi. It hops out of the river. 
I got to figure out how to do that so I can eat some sushi. Right. You really should figure that out. I really, you know, I've been practicing tickling a fish, but the last time I did get attacked by a bear. Oh, well, yeah. He was like, that's my water. And so you're, it's kind of weird that, yeah, I don't know how you guys wound up in the same pool, but you kind of like. No, no, no. He, w- he was like, you know, this is, this is my golf course and I'm teaching my twink boyfriend how to, how to golf on here. And I was like, I'm sorry, you beautiful oh. bear. <laughs> Yeah, I, for, I had forgotten that that's what happened. Um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, you remember, that was, like, right before Christmas. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> a, a big hubbub. Well, so <laughs> the, uh, yeah, but then, uh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask, even though you haven't eaten it yourself, if you had kind of a beginner's guide to eating sushi, like what, you know, the order in which you should eat it, or uh, how to put the wasabi on, or, or the soy sauce, or... Yeah, any tips and tricks for a first timer? I'm, I'm going to be serious with you. If you if you want to cut this out of your episode, it's fine. But you really shouldn't shouldn't ask like a sushi connoisseur that kind of question. Oh, I. I mean, it, it's so it's sort of like asking a, a handicapped person like, "How do you get your pants on in the morning?" I mean, it's it's not directly offensive, but it it's is, a microaggression. It, it, it confronts yeah. like. It confronts issues we face, and that it, it alienates. I'm so, I'm but, so sorry. Uh, no, no, no! Don't be sorry for for the people who are curious. Uh, I know there's you, you've got some foreign listeners, and in, like stuff in, in Sweden, this is just so foreign to them that there's there's no stigmas around it. There's no nothing. They're just trying to figure out what it is. So uh, use a thing called a chopstick. Uh, it's designed for a couple. There are two sticks that you use to stab into the meat. They're usually packaged together uh, to prevent you know underpopulation in Japan. Because <laughs> it's just it's just such a disaster when you order a pizza in Japan and they send it with chopsticks. You have the full pizza and then you have two sticks. You, and obviously you want to invite you're only someone use over. One. You're only going to use one, and the other one's just just going to sit there and remind you of your loneliness. So yeah, that's that's, that's kind of event. something that. Yeah, so really, you just want to get that, stick it in, get it in your mouth, and uh, <laughs> beginner's mistake: you do not eat the chopstick. Okay, so that's no. And I don't, I don't care what people, you know, that's, you complimented me earlier for pushing boundaries, expanding into realms of sushi that aren't considered. Eating chopstick is where I draw the line. Because people think that should be the next thing. It's really, really should not. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think that's going a step too far. I, th- I think that people. But more than a step, more than a step. Yeah, I mean a little a little nibble here and there off the end of it. I can see it happening, maybe on accident, maybe just for a little taste. But these people sitting in these restaurants that I look at through the window, just gobbling down an entire chopstick, disgraceful. Yeah. Um, and then you know, kind of the biggest recent hit to the sushi industry now that it's it's very popular. It's in a lot of movies. The AV Club is writing about it. But probably the biggest thing people have had to face that kind of really, really screwed up the image of sushi in America was the film Jiro Dreams of Sushi, which, as you know, was a a really big hit to the Nightmare on Elm Street series. I actually did not know that. Oh, well... (laughs) You know, you can play ignorance with me. I, I, I know I'm a big fan of sushi, and I you don't want to, you know, you don't want to upset me, so you don't want to discuss it. But everyone knows that the sushi lobby was behind, really, really pushing the sushi element of this. So 
Jiro Dreams of Sushi, the latest Nightmare on Elm Street. Is it not Jiro? You know, honestly, no, I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen didn't it, have the so. sound on when I watched it. Uh, yeah. Like, I, I can deal with jump scares, but the sound of the jump scare really, really gets me. Right. But, yeah, it, it, it focused on a, a man, a jingoist man in America named Jiro or Gyro, either of those names, uh, who was just so afraid of sushi and Freddy Krueger used that to attack him. Oh wow! And at the end, they don't really they don't really confront Freddy Krueger. He just sort of learns to drop his hangups about the dish, and people saw that as just a flagrant flagrant attempt to push sushi down normal people's throats. And I, I agree with that. Yeah. I agree. It wasn't the right it wasn't right to use a well loved franchise to sort of push push a narrative on that. It's so it's it, sad to see that kind of stuff happening these days. More and more. It's sad to see. I mean, I know that their aims were good. I know that their aims were very, very good. But And uh, a, a lot of people now... But uh, the real tragedy is they didn't even put Nightmare on Elm Street in the title. They just said Jiro Dreams of Sushi, and most people didn't watch it. They thought it was some kind of, like, cooking thing. <laughs> right. Uh, which is why I haven't Boy, I actually ever it. watched it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen it on Netflix, but I've never watched it. Uh, and we should probably, probably you know, cut this now, right? So uh, other, other amazing films on Netflix include the final appearance of the late Guardians of the Galaxy 2. But Netflix isn't just about streaming blockbuster action films <laughs> and historic Oscar winners. <laughs> Netflix offers dozens of original series free with your subscription. Whether it's fighting crime in New York with Daredevil, being crime in New York with Orange is the New Black, <laughs> or the upcoming House of Cards Season 7, The Age of Consent, Netflix <laughs> has a little something for everyone. Now only $10.99. Use the code EXPERTHOUR5USH1 to receive a free sushi in the mail with each new subscription. Netflix, it's the company you watch, and it's better than Hulu. It is. I mean, the thing I like most about Netflix is that they have all of the classic NBC sitcoms, you know, except for 30 Rock and Community. Yeah. And Netflix... Al- and Parks and Recreation. Oh, yeah, they don't have that either. And Netflix also has all of your favorite shows about depressed cartoons. Well, except they don't have Rick and Morty. They, they actually, no. No, they only no, have... No, they don't. They actually only have that one. Well, anyway, Netflix. Uh, check it out. Check it out. What was that? All right, yeah. And right. we're back now. Um, all right, yeah. What, so... Kind of before we leave, I just want to know uh, if you had one message, one manifesto to get out to the world, to let everyone know about sushi, uh, what, what would that be? Um, well, I would just make it a very plain and non-extremist manifesto. Uh, just sort of say, hey, if you see sushi, enjoy it. Enjoy your time with it, and, uh, you know, don't take anything too far when you're doing sushi, because you don't want the FBI looking into you. Now, thank you so much for your time, Kenny. It was such a, it was such a pleasure to feature on your show. I do have to go now. I'm actually uh, catching a plane to Japan. Oh, oh no. Is, is anyone else on that plane? No, <laughs> I have a good one, Kenny. Is, is any innocent person on that airplane? I'll, I'll we've see lost, you around. We've lost the connection. Well, that was Austin Martin. 
here to speak with us about sushi, and we wish him all the best of luck. He wants to try sushi someday, but I'm sure he'd never do anything drastic or anything terroristic. Um, that being said, I think I might check in with... Uh, well, anyway, that was the expert hour. Thank you. <laughs>